Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. the hair I'm I'm doing a little glamour magic hello everybody Chowan here and I'm excited today because we're gonna talk about one of my favorite topics which is about visuals glamour beauty pretty things and I have Deborah Castellano with me and she literally wrote a book about it. It is called Glamour Magic, the witchcraft revolution to get what you want. And she's also doing an online course. It's called The Rights of Glamour. It's starting in October. It started off with 15 seats. It's like a small group online and there's only six seats left. So September 30th is the last day that you can sign up for it. And I'm so excited to be talking to a witch who also realizes just how important this meat suit actually is to everything, <laughs> mundane, world, magic, all that stuff. So, Deborah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to do this with you. Um, it's really neat to get to do this with someone who really gets it. One of the things that I'm totally vibing with you on is that glamour magic is not something for silly teenage girls who just want to like put on lip gloss or anything like that. Glamour magic is powerful and glamour magic is something that every witch every magician anybody who wants to be successful in this world that they would probably want to develop because if they don't life is going to be a lot harder than it should be i agree uh, completely on that i think a lot of people think that they want to ignore, as you said, the meat suit um, because we want to be focused on uh, what's going on inside. And I think because so much of magic has to do with contacting the other world or going within ourselves that we forget the part that's outside and that's part of it too. Like one of the things that I talk a lot about on this channel is how everybody shits on the witch aesthetic. And yeah. That makes me so angry. I'm just like, what's wrong with the witch aesthetic? The witch aesthetic is witchy as fuck. It's magical as fuck. I was just having a very intense conversation about that yesterday. Um, I think people shit on that because it's the easiest thing to do. It's like, oh, you know, they're, they're as we would say in the 90s, they're posers, they're this, they're that. And I'm like, what's wrong with taking part of what we do and making it beautiful and even, dare I say accessible. One of the great things that your book lays out is that glamour magic is not some sort of um, higher than you, I'm entitled. It's nothing like that. Glamour right. magic is something that people who feel as though they cannot use mainstream modes of power, they can use glamour magic to great effect. And that's what makes it so important. If you're employing witchcraft, it's because you're already disadvantaged in some way. And um, this is a way to help level the playing field. Maybe you were not born traditionally uh, beautiful by your culture standard, and that's okay. Glamour isn't about beauty necessarily. It's taking what you have and learning to use it in a way that's both comfortable to yourself and in a way that is going to be striking to others. What do you mean by glamour? Okay, so glamour is what makes you interesting and exciting both to yourself and others. So that's why it's for everyone. Um, it doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It's really genuinely for everyone. The media, generally speaking, wants you to look a certain way. They want you to look like a Kardashian, to like look like Angelina Jolie. Um, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. If you happen to be lucky enough to look like one of them, rock out, you know? Um, but 
to me, Glamour is more the outsiders. It's um, the actresses from Orange is the New Black because they're not traditionally uh, beautiful by media standards, but they're very powerful and they're, they um, have different body types. They have different genders. They have different sexuality than what is part of the mainstream. I think about RuPaul, who is really glamorous. So these are all just media people that you can maybe wrap your head around. But I think what I would really say is, um, you know, think about we've all got a glamorous friend and she or he or they may not be the most traditionally beautiful person you've ever met, but there's something about them that attracts people to them. And also often as sort of a happy side effect, people tend to want to do what they want to do, whether it's they're starting a social movement, whether it's they um, have a great idea for a party that's outside, like what usually that circle of friends would do. Um, they have that thing where people want to be around them. They want to uh, see what they're doing. They want to help them do the things that they're trying to get accomplished. And I think that's something that can be learned, you know, um, Beauty is very static. Beauty is like uh, symmetry and cultural markers, whereas I think you can learn to really get in touch with what makes you interesting, what makes you you, and uh, what you have to give to the world, and how to um, use that to your advantage. Absolutely. I am 100% on that, because when I think about beauty, like natural-born beauty, it doesn't move me as much as artificial beauty. You know, like somebody who's developed and created themselves. Because to me, the person who does that already has this force of personality. There's something about taking something that was maybe kind of just bland and whatever, you know, to begin with, but then somehow through intelligence, through skill, through whatever it is, they were able to craft themselves in a way that most people don't have either the intelligence, will, or skill to do. When somebody is just naturally very beautiful, and they just romp around naturally without any sort of effort, um, to me, that's sort of like, oh, you know, like a, a flower that's blooming easily in some sort of lush tropical paradise. But then there's that rose that blooms in the desert, you know, against odds against the, the, you know, Saharan sun, and it's sort of like that rose is extra special. I also think about um, Holly Madison, who's a former Playboy bunny, and she said, um, I never knew myself to be beautiful. I made myself beautiful. And there was something really striking about that, that will, like you said. All my life, I've always been that girl who was artificial looking. Like, I never was interested in pretty. And when I did pretty, I felt very boring and bland, like frustrated, like uh, I didn't feel like myself. And when I was younger, I used to get a lot of criticism about that. Like, oh, you know, like, why do you need to put on makeup? You're young, you're beautiful, all that stuff. And I was just like, yeah, fuck you, you know, I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> now that I'm older, I see the value in that. Because this, <laughs> basically learning how to put on this face, it took years yeah. for me to learn. But guess what? I started when I was like 16 years old. So I've been doing this for like 23 years. I can see myself doing this when I'm 50, 60, yeah. 70 years yeah. old. And I know that at that age, I'm going to love it even more. I feel more beautiful now at age 39 than I ever did when I was younger. I do too. I found I had enough time to really grow into it, to find a sense of style, to find, you know, even if my body type isn't, you know, what is considered traditional, again, within uh, the culture I'm in, that I have found a way to be striking about it. And um, there's a lot of power to that instead of just being like, oh, now there's nothing for me. No, it's how, it, how are you going to get it to grow and evolve with everything? And um, I think that's really meaningful. And I think people are very dismissive of paying attention to the meat suit. And I do think that's crap because, like, this is a canvas too, just like your insides are. And if you're not comfortable with certain things, you don't have to do them, but why not try? 
why not have that sense of play? Maybe, for instance, you find that you love fake eyelashes, and that's it. <laughs> and that's okay. You don't have to do anything else. If that's the only thing you love, that's the only thing you love. You, you know, if you love the way you dress, if you love jewelry, if you love whatever. But... Like, we have a fallen demon who came to give us cosmetics. Like, if that's not magic, I don't know what is, you know? Like, I have um, a friend, we were going to um, a party in the evening um, out in uh, New York City, and she's like, I don't know what to wear, I don't know what to do, you know? And she's got um, an atypical body type and everything, and I'm like, well, here's this actress who has a body type very similar to, to you. Get some suspenders. Get, like, a, a white tank top. Get, you know, something cute going. Think very, you know, cabaret, you know, and, and do something with it, you know. It, do something that you feel comfortable. It's not about me putting her in a dress because I know she wouldn't feel comfortable with that. It's about finding what would be stylistically authentic to that person, that reminds me of an interview I watched with one of my icons, the late Quentin Crisp. What made us accept you now that we beat you 50 years ago? The fact that there are, even if there shouldn't be, fashions in morality. Uh, he actually became famous and in his prime when he was a senior citizen. So he definitely didn't fit a lot of beauty standards. And in fact, as an effeminate man in World War One, Great Britain, just going out looking the way he did, he was risking his life. And he was just like, I mean, I guess I could have chosen to look another way, but I simply couldn't. This was just who I was. And so I'm very moved by that. And to me, that's also glamour, to be able to be so much of who you are that it's almost like to not do it would make life not worth living. So you just do it despite what society tells you, what everybody else tells you. I mean, real glamour is dangerous, honestly, and in an exciting way, but also in a very real way, because a lot of times you are inviting and sometimes even daring people to look at you. It's not just, I shouldn't have to care about this, I don't care about anything. It's, no, look at me. Look at me. You know, and when you make that kind of authentic statement about yourself, you're taking a risk. And, you know, we do discuss that a little bit in the book that you have to be mindful about where you're taking those risks. But, I mean, there's a lot of things that you should be able to do in this world that we live in that there are, at the very least, some safer places, if not safe spaces, where you can really be who you are. And I think that's so critical. How do you be true to yourself without, you know, putting your life at risk? And, and that's a very real and serious um, aspect to all of this. Um, I think part of it is knowing where it's safe to express that. Um, there are places that are more friendly to it. Um, generally speaking, stateside uh Things like conventions, things like um, fetish parties, things like goth scenes, things like that, where there's a little more openness and freedom. And some of it is also how can you find a space and a time to express this so you're not losing yourself to the camouflage that you have to do to survive. Um, and to really give yourself time for that, whether it's because you throw parties at your own house with people you feel safe with, whether it's, you know, you know, a particular establishment that's friendly to the, you know, whatever it is you're doing um, and that you feel safe there due to the people that are there, due to the people who own it and all of that. And to find your find time and places for you to express it and sometimes depending on how new this is for you, it might just be in your bathroom for a little bit, but you still have to give that room to breathe. Your book says that glamour and glamour magic can also be used as a weapon. What do you mean by that? Um, that's interesting because I think I just got a negative review about that because, uh, about the book because some people aren't so into that. But... Um, you know what? It's a really true for me aspect of it. Um, when I say a weapon, it can shield you 
from difficult experiences somewhat. Um, you know, my mother-in-law still calls makeup war paint, and there is some certain truth to that. If you're going to um, an event where you know there are people who maybe don't care for you so much, you know, that can give you a bit of protective armor. Um, it can, what you wear can make you feel more protected as well. Um, and it can be a way to relay your, your natural glamour, your charm, your, um, things that make you, you, for me, it tends to be more my accessibility because I would probably be more like a mid-level, like overt glamour. Um, but because people feel like I, they can talk to me, sometimes they may tell me more than they intended to sometimes, um, because I tend to try to be a good listener. Um, I can find out more than maybe I would have known without that skill set. And sometimes you do need to use that to your advantage when you're trying to get somewhere. Because, again, we're using witchcraft because we're coming from some kind of disadvantage. And I think that's a really important aspect to it. So how is glamour magic different from a skill set? You mentioned being a good listener. And that's mm -hmm. something that anybody can develop. But how is glamour magic separate from that? Glamour magic is separate for that because you're starting to learn how to um, read people on a level that isn't just mundane. You're starting to see um, opportunities that are opening. You're starting to sense when doors are being kicked open or sometimes slammed shut in your face. And you're trying to learn how to um, then use those things to move forward in what you're trying to do. Um, it's learning how to read your situations much better. And it's also um, magical things you're doing as well. Like if you're going into a situation where you want to project a certain thing, glamour will help you do that. If you want to be protected, you can use your glamour as armor as well. There's lots of things you can do in just everyday life magically and also ritually um, with glamour to try to get um, your great work to move forward. Forward. So for those of the listeners who are not sure what that means, great work, what is that? Your great work is um, something that you're working on. It's an alchemical term. And um, I always kind of use the metaphor of um, a play called Into the Woods. Um, which is sort of fairy tale. And in act one, Cinderella, who's in this, starts out with, I wish to go to the festival. That would be Cinderella's great work for act one. She is trying to get herself to the festival, doing whatever it is she has to do to get there, you know, with her evil stepmother, blah, 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 or stepsisters, getting herself there. By act two, it's, I wish to sponsor a festival. And now that's another level added to it. Um, so she could, if she was reading the book, go through the exercises again and uh, use them to help her sponsor a festival because it's another level to her great work. So it's whatever you're trying to accomplish. It should be a little bigger than, you know, I want to make a little more money or, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to think of like a small, you know, I want a really pretty dress, you know, something a little bit bigger, something that's going to have some teeth in it, something that's going to be difficult for you to accomplish, but something that's important for you. So the way that I was uh, taught about the great work was that it's this big overarching thing, like mm -hmm. the entire point of doing any sort of magic, especially hermetic magic, is right. to become like the magical and not so douchey version of the Ubermensch, you know, or the right. femme or whatever. And so it's basically to become almost godlike or to become goddess-like. So yeah. are you talking about the great work in that respect or are we talking about something else? It is somewhat in that respect as well because things that are that important to you are going to bring you closer to that. Um... For me, I would say my initial great work was to get my book published, to get my word out there. And that has done a lot of internal 
alchemical things for me to me, sometimes in not so pleasant ways, you know, um, and it, it is bringing me closer to that because that's a very important aspect of myself. So when I was going through your book, I noticed that the beginning part was doing magic to figure out what is my great work? What is right. it, first of all? Because if we're doing glamour magic, perhaps the best way to do any sort of magic would be to focus on what it is that you want to accomplish. And then there's spells within the book to use glamour. I mean, these are legit spells. These aren't just like sitting around and meditating. This is like putting in just lots of intention, um, using magical materials, things like that, um, to try to move towards that great work you're trying to do. Why is it that we should use glamour magic instead of, let's say, using uh, the conjuration of a goetic spirit or some other magic like that, or sigil magic? Right, and I mean, you absolutely could. There's many paths to get to many things, but I think um, for me or to me, like, that glamour magic gives you that extra push because it's so... It's based so much in reality, is I think the best way to put it. It is about your meat suit. It is about trying to get to your goals. Um, and there's nothing wrong with using other methods to get to your goals. But I feel like it's really powerful to integrate the magical glamour, which is um, what makes you you, and getting to the core of that to get to what you're trying to get to. So let's talk about an example of what glamour magic actually looks like. So a scenario that I like to talk about, because so many people can relate to this, is they want to become a published writer. Sure. So with other uh, interviews that I've done, we've talked about, you know, how to use sigils or spirits or what have you. To get to that point, how do we use glamour magic to become a published writer, hopefully successful published writer? Right. Um, glamour magic would really help you insofar as, first off, starting off by, by networking. Um, part of how I got to where I got to was I was very lucky that um, a bunch of fellow bloggers noticed what I was writing about and took an interest and started promoting it. Um, and part of that came from me talking to them and interacting with them. And part of that came from they were interested because this was a very feminine magic and that wasn't something that was being talked about in the blogosphere a whole lot at the time. What you're saying as a writer is going to be said by other people. That's just the reality of the situation. We're all talking about magic if you want to be like really big about it. But how you say it is really important because that's that you part. That's that glamour part. That's that part that resonates with people. Are you telling this in a way that is different than everything else that anyone's done? What are you doing to make yourself different than the writers that are out there? And glamour really helps you uh, hone in on what that is. For me, I was totally doing also a lot of ritual work. I was enchanting things. I was, um, you know, like I had a bracelet I was wearing everywhere for a while that I was, you know, uh, spitting on, you know, not like literally just to get that me onto it. And I noticed I was getting um, more little favors, if you will, while I was wearing it until I didn't have to uh, put my saliva on it anymore. And it was just working. And then eventually I didn't even need to be wearing it. It was just on. And um, part of that is also it helps to kind of be glamorous towards, say, your editor, who's going to make the decision of whether or not to publish you, you know, and uh, to give them something to present, like, this is something different. Um, for me, I was doing a lot of ritual work with Lakshmi, and uh, she is sort of the embodiment of glamour within her pantheon to a large extent. And um, I had kind of my own little glam squad of, of goddesses and spirits I was working with and making offerings to and um, asking basically, please, please notice me and please, please notice me because of these reasons and uh, please, please help me. And um, 
glamour can help you do that. I like how you're talking about the sort of style, the swagger that glamour can help bring to you. Because as you mentioned, it's not like there's any new ideas. No. So we're all talking <laughs> about magic or we're all, I mean, one of my favorite um, fashion channels is by this guy named Tabasco Sweet and he does uh, cheap thrills. Sup family, it's your boy Nate, AKA Tabasco Sweet. And you're watching Cheap Thrills. You already know what it is. And he's just doing knockoffs of luxury brands. Your boy's all about maximalism these days. So you know I'm slamming the entire rig. I feel a heat wave coming on, family. Fuego alert. And he's not like traditionally hot, and yet he's being so authentic. He's being yeah. so glamorous, even though people wouldn't necessarily think at first blush that he's a glamorous. No, he's super glam. He's super glam. But that's because he's doing what a million other bloggers, vloggers, YouTubers are doing, but he's doing it with his own swag. And that's exactly what it is, you know, because, like you said, there's no new ideas. Um, so it's how are you presenting it? And you know when it's really authentic, that's probably how he's talking outside of this. And um, that's what makes him relatable. That's what makes him, him glam is, you know, it, it's adorable. It's so refreshing to see glamour being done the way that it really should be done. The way that Quentin Crisp does it, the way David Bowie did it, the way that Tabasco Sweet is doing it, the way that Dita Von Teese is doing it. Um, there's a certain sort of deep vibe that you feel, which is like, this person's for real. This person, I wanna hang with them, I wanna chill with them. I wanna be around them because they're being 100%. And that in itself, that confidence, that swag of being 100%, that is something that I feel like your book is trying to show. Like, it doesn't matter what society tells you should be your version of real. You do you. I think of Tim Curry in Rocky Horror, you know, like he was fully committed there. And I mean, even if you're just watching it, you know, at a midnight showing or whatever, when you first unveil that character. Oh, I'm just a sweet transvestite. You can't half-ass that. If you half-ass that, nobody's interested. You know, it's, oh, some guy in heels running down the aisle. It's, you have to make this a big moment. And to make it a big moment, you have to be committed. I was hosting um, a tea party in, like, a full Georgian gown. And um, I decided with my servers we do this sort of Madonna-esque beginning where you know I would stand there they would do like the little spritz of perfume the powder to the face the you know fixing of the hair and whatever and as a person I'm like such a squirmy toddler like this was like really hard for me but I knew if I didn't like commit 110% to that kind of Georgian you know I'm standing here I'm ready this is my show this is my thing get ready it wasn't going to work. It was going to seem silly and stupid. So I had to really be committed to that moment, even though it was hard for me. So what if somebody tells you, Deborah, Deb, um, I'm actually really boring. Like who I am is just pretty basic. I don't think that I have any natural glamour in me. What would you say to that? I would say that's not true. That would be the first thing that I would say, because I do have people tell me that, and my heart breaks a little every time I hear that, that I'm like, you have something about you that maybe you're not seeing, or you don't think about it because it's so natural to you, that you're not realizing that this is really important. Maybe it's dogs and children always love you. Maybe your basicness is so like deeply ingrained that it's charming because there's always Uggs and Cardies and pumpkin spice latte that, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of cute how, how into it you are. And, you know, you're taking pictures of fall leaves and whatever, writing your dream journal. Um, your basicness can be, a glamour if you really lean into I would say probably the first place to start would be to start with your passions what are you really you know as my first year women's studies uh, professor said what do you give a fuck about you know and to really figure out what those things are and to really lean into it and that's where you find your glamour is in your passions even if you're let's say you have problems with depression 
I mean, if you're looking for like a melancholy glamour, that does happen. You know, you think about Morticia Adams, you know, who's always supposed to be maybe ever so slightly depressed, but there's that glamour about it, that old movie, sick girl glamour, you know, and the anxiety, um, which is also not something people think of as glamorous, but if you can kind of parlay that into kind of a, a madcap artlessness. Reminds me so much of rap music and how those rappers, the authentic rappers, were the ones that got respect versus the Vanilla Ices were considered clowns and they were totally clowned on. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, even, you know, if we're going a slightly sideways, how, like, I'm noticing more in rap there's more discussion about feeling shy or feeling depressed or having difficulty, like just with coping with like regular daily life. I think of Tavlo who does uh, habits and I'm like, that is some real stuff where she's, you know, eating in a bathtub and throwing it up and, you know, just wants a boy. And I'm like, I, I spent a lot of time talking with some of my friends about that. Cause I'm like, Typically, prior to that, women weren't allowed to express that level of of uh, heartbrokenness, that we were allowed to be sad and crying, but we weren't allowed to go pick up daddies and go to sex clubs, you know, <laughs> and all of that to, to cope. And it's so real. It makes me think about what's going on in the YouTube world right now, beauty influencers. Space on one side you had people like Jeffree Star, on the other side you had Laura Lee, Manny MUA, Gabriel Zamora, and Nikita Dragon. And instead of rehashing the entire situation to kind of just hit on the main point, there's a now deleted photo posted with all four kind of flipping off the camera, and the caption makes it appear that it is about Jeffree Star. Then after some back and forth that also involves Zamora saying that Jeffree Star is a racist, the internet took it upon themselves to find old, offensive, problematic, tweets from these four. And most noted and pointed out among all the things that were pointed out were tweets from Zamora and Lee. One from Zamora where he uses the N-word and one for Lee where she says black people should pull up their pants so that they can run from the police faster. Right, and there's massive backlash online when we last talked about this. Laura Lee had made a video that is now at over 7 million views. And I have not seen a video that horribly received in a very, very long time. At that point, she had lost around a quarter million subscribers. And as of recording this video right now, she has lost over half a million subscribers. Influencers who are getting paid big bucks to review makeup, to feature makeup in their tutorials. People who've been following these influencers for years and looking up to them and seeing them as the epitome of glamour. But now we're just like, they're so fake, they're this, they're that. Let's say that Laura Lee, who's like suffering the most from this entire fallout, she tweeted six years ago some really offensive things about African-Americans. Let's say that she comes to you and she's just like, you know what, right now I'm losing hundreds of thousands of subscribers and I feel like I really need to do magic, glamour magic, to help me in this. What would you advise her? I, I would advise her to like, well, first off, the real question, has her view changed since then? Or is this still a deeply held belief that she has? Because to me, while glamour is artifice, for it to stick it has to be rooted in something real. That's why we keep talking about like um, what's really inside you. And if what's really inside her is all of that still, Glamour could maybe help her a little bit, but it's not gonna do much because that's still in there. However, if in that six years, maybe she's met more people, maybe her worldview has broadened, maybe she realized she said things without thinking. And um, I think uh, Body Posse Panda on um, Insta talked about, you know, how the first thought you have, people were like, oh, that's, that's the real thought, blah, blah, blah. But the second thought is what makes you who you are. That's what changes things. We all have reflexive things that we think. If that second thought is, oh, God, what did I just think? What did I just say? What did I just do? You know, like, I didn't mean it like that. That was not cool. That was not okay. You have some room to grow. That's where I would put that glamour work. That's where we would concentrate our spell work would be on her second thought there. If that second thought was, oh, God, I didn't mean to say that because I don't really actually think that that is some old, bad, broken programming. And um, we would definitely do practical and magical glamour work to that, um, maybe to, 
I would say if she had any kind of connection to say Kuan Yin, you know, who is a Bodhisattva and who's very based on forgiveness and, you know, to find some things to work on there uh, and to really put her glamour towards that, the I'm sorry part, you know, that I didn't mean to do this or I did then, but I don't now. I've grown and changed in these ways. You know, please give me a chance. But if you're still believing that, there's nothing to be done, in my opinion. A lot of people, they're going against Laura Lee and also Manny and UA because they're saying they're so fake. And that they would be maybe the types who would just do glam magic, glamour magic, to pull back the subscribers. But you're saying, actually, no magic in the world is going to help if it's not coming from a really authentic place. Yep. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> But then there's going to be a lot of people who are just like, well, then what's the point of magic? Because isn't magic supposed to obey my will? I mean, yeah, it, it is. And maybe if you're you're good enough with it, you might be able to get it to obey your will. But I have to be honest, and what I've seen, while I don't necessarily subscribe to Law of Three or any of that BS, it comes back around. There's just no way around it. If if you're trying to do something that is not authentic to who you are, I mean, think about it, spirits, deities, etc., whoever is help pushing this besides your will, you know, because there's always other things involved too, as much as we all want to be like rugged individuals. Um, you know, think about your own friends. If they think things are fake, if they think you're not being honest about a situation, how much are they going to help you? Okay, so let's say that you're not somebody who either way has any sort of skin in whether or not you're really sorry or not sorry. You're just in it to make money, right? right. You're in it for mercenary reasons. Right. Then can the glamour magic work for you? So you're in it for mercenary reasons, and um, but your your image has been uh, tarnished greatly in this cell, like like it has been with with the current people. Yeah, I mean, you know what? There's always also at the same time mercenary spirits, mercenary goddesses and gods who maybe will will help you out there, and I think you could use that to put together a really slick ad campaign so to speak, for it. But again, without the authenticity, it may not work as well as if there was that authenticity in there. And that's something that I like to stress in all these interviews, that magic isn't always a miracle worker. Sometimes it can be. And yeah. uh, sometimes, yes, maybe uh, Laura Lee would uh, do, I don't know, she would talk to Belial or some demon and something will happen and then all of a sudden she's going to get all her subscribers back. It could happen, but sure. probably not because magic is a technology, it is a science, and it's mainly a probability pusher, right? So yeah. if things are going down, maybe it'll help the going down be softer, but to push it back up again would take so much other action as well. Like you mentioned... If she were truly authentically sorry and her actions to the world showed it, that would help a lot. Probably much more than the actual magic, correct? Magic is going to follow the path that's, again, the most like, likely outcome because that's, it's, it's, like you said, it's a probability game. It could be pushed back all the way up, but, you know, the question is, is what's going to come out in two more years? <laughs> Now, like, again, the authenticity isn't just because, you know, a dream is a wish your heart makes and blah, 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 all that. It's also a matter of, you know, if you haven't really changed your ways and people are now looking at you under a microscope, which is what happens when you're a public figure, you're going to screw up because you didn't change. Let's talk about very specific things anybody can do to up their glamour quotient. Uh, let's take a young man. And what he would like to do is he would like to go to school dressed how he wants to dress um, and not feel so afraid that people are going to call him some sort of like, what, you know what I mean? That he's not going to be harassed. Is there right. anything that he can do? Let's say that he goes to school in like the deep south, right? It's a small town and he wants to wear, I don't know, he wants to wear like a skirt. What can he do yeah. to help his experience? 
I mean, if it's the skirt he wants to wear before he wears it to school, he would want to start doing work on the skirt, you know, to make that part of his glamour, to make that acceptable, to make that and to really put his will, and I know this might sound a little silly, but you're really trying to change cultural views here. You're putting your will into your skirt. You know, you're really trying to make that acceptable. And yeah, after you skirt. feel like, yeah, into the literal skirt. How would you do that? I, I think you would hold it in your hands. And then you would want to also... I would say for that, again, probably spit is the best way. You want to put a little spit onto it and because that's a little bit of your essence. Um, I would say you might want to even rub some herbs over it. Like you want to attract like love and good vibes and all of that. So you would probably maybe put some rose oil on the skirt itself. Um, or maybe some rose petals and then, you know, put it through the wash and, you know, all of that. So it's there, but it's not so prevalent on it. Um, when you feel like you're starting to get somewhere because it helps to do this repetitively. So you're doing this little ritual with your skirt for like, let's say a week. I would maybe wear it with a few friends first and see what they say. And, you know, if they seem receptive, you can see that it's starting to work, do some more work on the skirt. And then you also during this time, because you've worn it in front of your friends, you have some influencers who are going to be on your side. And then to wear it to skirt to, to school, excuse me, from there. But I would also make sure that you ideally maybe also had some people in authority on your side. Ideally, you might want to talk to the principal and then you're using your glamour to influence the, the principal or a favorite teacher or whatever. Hi, I want to wear a skirt because if you do, this has to be something you have to put your full intent in. If you know this is going to be a difficult situation, you have to do all of the work. And that means both magically and mundanely. Let's say that you wanted to talk to a popular teacher, like that all right. the students like really look up to. Would you, right, right. How would you use glamour magic on that teacher? What I would do is I would want to project how um, important this was for my identity to my glamour and to make them understand. I would try to use my glamour to influence my words so I can influence the teacher to be on my side for this. You're really putting your will into your words for this. So you're trying to figure out what would make this teacher respond the most positively. What I do in these situations is I do um, a couple things. First off, I start doing some breathing exercises just so I'm not like, you know, a panting dog during this. You know? um, then what I try to do is I go into my heart, my heart chakra, and I focus on opening that and then I focus on opening my throat because that's where the words are going to come out of. And I focus on opening up my um, head chakra here, my third eye, because that's where some of the um, intellect, so to speak, for it. And I just go into each like I visualize them opening. And then I start to practice what I'm going to say while I'm doing that. And then ideally, I'm going to go into it with this open heart, this open throat, this open mind, and to be open to what's going to come of this. Usually that openness is what gives you the other person's openness in return. Usually they can sense that. If you are that open, hi, I'm really scared, but I really need to do this. Magic, as much as we like to think, will always solve everything ever. It may not work still, but if you know that you went into it doing the best you can do, it makes it, generally speaking, in my experience, a more likely outcome in your favor. I'm just thinking about in that situation, I think a lot of young people, they would be afraid of being vulnerable to a teacher or to an authority figure because you're at that age where you're just sort of like, you know, I, I don't care about these adults. But at the same time, there is something to be said about when you go into a situation believing people are going to be on your side. 
that's also a type of glamour magic because you're going in with a completely different mindset. If you're not defensive already going in, then the things you're going to say, the body language you're going to have, the eye contact you're going to give is going to be a lot more relaxed, a lot sweeter, a lot softer. And that's what people respond to. And part of it's also to have a response if you do get that negative attention. Eddie Izzard always said, you know, in return when someone would kind of start to give him the business about wearing a skirt or whatever, he would just very deadpan in return yeah, I'm a bloke in a skirt. That's that's what's happening here. And then, like, where do you go with that? You've acknowledged what's happening. Sometimes, even if you do all this glamour magic, maybe the teacher is going to respond in a negative way, or maybe the teacher can't help in the end because the reaction of your peers is just so overwhelming. I mean, glamour magic is not a cure-all for, no, for no. everything. But I think it's a way to navigate through the world with a lot more softness, like true softness, which is actually strength. Um, so it's like the world, let's face it, sometimes the world can be a big pile of shit, but at least you have some tools to help you still smell like roses eventually in the end, even though you're going through the shit. Yeah, and I mean, maybe as you're trying to do the glamour magic to wear to school, part of what you learn is maybe that was a big goal. Maybe you're not quite there yet. You know, maybe you try instead to wear it to, say, um, a coffee house that's a friendly environment, you know, and, and you wear it there where you feel safe and your friends are there and everyone's like, hooray, what a great job, you know, and maybe that's enough for you. And um, sometimes it's also picking your battles, really choosing your battles. It's not perfect. You know, no magic is perfect. No, anything is going to work 100% of the time. That's just the reality of that, for sure. Let's say in this case, it is a young woman who is starting off in a new job. And she feels as though other coworkers are getting promoted ahead of her. She feels like she's mousy. She doesn't... You know, she's like trying to gain more self-confidence and she feels like she's pretty okay. And yet she still sees, you know, like Brent <laughs> getting promoted. She sees Jocelyn getting promoted and she's like, the fuck? What can she do? Definitely in that situation, I think I would advise some kind of um, glamour weapon, if you will. Whether it's lipstick perfume, uh, a bracelet, a ring, a whatever, a power kind of tool that when you put it on, when you look at yourself in the mirror, because that's important too, you need to make eye contact with yourself. If you want to be confident and powerful, you have to be able to look at yourself. And so you put on this thing, whether it's perfume, lipstick, whatever, that is going to give you power in that situation and you make eye contact with yourself and you think about what you want to accomplish in that day, put your will into it, put your back into it and then do your best to do that. And not every, it won't work every single day. Sometimes you feel crapped on enough that it won't. But I also like to at work keep, um, a resurrection plant. So like, let's say you're having a really crummy day you can let it close up all the way because that's probably how you're feeling, super closed up, but then you can add a little bit of water to it and it opens right back up and you can imagine all of your glamour, all of your, you know, um, intent, your will opening back up with it so you're not kept down by it and then you can use that when you're going into that meeting with Brent and Jocelyn to try to make like some kind of really good point um or something really thoughtful and um to really put your glamour to project that out of your mouth out of your heart you know so that people are connecting with you let's say somebody wanted to learn more about these glamour techniques and this isn't just reserved for again young people or right. just for women it could be for anyone it could be for any gender any sort of person who feels like they want to make their mundane world a little bit more sweeter to be able to influence people more. Let's say they wanted to learn more about this. Tell me a little bit about the Rights of Glamour class that you're doing. So what we're going to be working on there is with um, some specific goddesses who are inclined to help with glamour matters. 
Um, we're also going to be using scent because I do make uh, ritual oils as part of that. Um, we're going to also have some mundane work for each rite. There's going to be four different rites. We're going to have a ritual for each rite to kind of bring you closer to it. And I feel that it's important to end with um, prophecy, which is what we're ending with. So you get a read back from the universe, from your spirits, from the deities we've been working with to see how to move forward with it. So it gives you a chance to kind of get deeper into your glamour, to use it to either find your great work or to move forward in your great work. You know, like I didn't realize this until I read your book that I've been practicing my own version of glamour magic since I was a teenager. You know, I never thought that putting on cosmetics, doing my hair, things like that would be a type of glamour magic. And yet it absolutely is because I certainly feel like a different person when I have my full face on versus (laughs) when I don't. Um, And it's very empowering, I think, for anybody who's been told their entire life, oh, you know, like, why do you care about the way that you, you know, why do you put so much attention on, you know, lip gloss and stuff like that? Smart girls, smart, whatever, they don't do that, you know. You don't rely on your looks. You don't rely on your tits and your ass. And I like how this book is sort of like, well, you know, you can't help it. It's kind of part of a human experience, you know, like you work with what you've got. Yeah, I mean, people think like this is some kind of new concept and it's not. Um, Cosmesis actually started with like the Iliad, you know, so we're talking a really, really, really long time ago. The makeover montage comes from that um, where Zeus was like, okay, okay, okay. We're, we're not messing with the Trojan War anymore. We're done. We're done. We're not doing that. And the ladies are all like, we're kind of not really done. So, okay, here's the plan. We're going to, like, doll Hera up. Like, so she is the hottest thing he has ever seen. And he likes a lot of ladies. So for him to be like, hey, wife, let's get down. We're going to put a lot of work into this. We're going to do her girdle. We're going to do the oils. We're going to do her her hair and she's going to sex him and then we're going to put him to sleep so we can keep messing with this war. So, (laughs) I mean, you're talking something very like makeover montage. Yay. (laughs) But to go continue with the ladies war business, basically. So Hera sexes him, they put him to sleep and then they're like, okay, now we can get back to business and, you know, deciding who's going to win this war, who's our favorite, who's our whatever, and keep messing with this thing. So, I mean, that's a pretty powerful outcome. I like how your book also talks about how glamour has also been practiced a lot by drag kings, drag queens, people who are completely transforming and playing with gender. Yeah, that's something that really fascinates me with it and um, something I'm so into because you want to talk a real transformation, um, drag is where it's at. And I think that's something fantastic because it's not just there's beauty queens within drag, but that's generally not just it. You have to be either funny, you have to be able to sing, you have to be able to dance. I mean, it's real vaudeville. You have to be able to be that whole package. And to me, that's that's so interesting. And I also find kind of half drag interesting too. Like uh, down south, it's not super uncommon for some people um, who are male identified and possibly in the LBGT spectrum to wear just the heels and just the lipstick. And I think that's so fascinating because you've got like this very masculine, you know, shirt and and, and uh, um, pants, and then you're wearing really high heels and really, you know, bright lipstick. And I think that's just fantastic. To be perfectly honest, those are the type of guys that I'm attracted to. Like, I love guys who have the confidence to wear some guy liner. Oh my God, that looks so hot when a guy wears eyeliner. And, I love uh, it. <laughs> right? And um, a guy that has the ability to mix both like female and male traits, like just be himself. And yeah. 
like that's the type of guy like I hone in on guys like at a party I will always find that guy I will hone in on him and I'll just <laughs> cling to him like you know like hey you want to get to know each other more you know like I'm not really into like the all-american guy I like I like the guys who are glamorous that's what it is I appreciate glamour also in men so I think a lot of straight men they feel restricted they feel like glamour is a feminine thing but it's not there's plenty of women who will definitely find you more attractive if you decide to embrace your glamour Totally. And I mean, I, cosmetics is for everybody. I mean, I stand by that. I love the, the gender fuck thing, you know, where it's a little bit of each. I love that so hard. I love a guy who's confident enough to have his like toenails painted and whatever. Um, but I think there's room, even if that's not how you identify either as a man or a woman, you know, or someone who's non-binary, you have to find the things that are important and meaningful to you, whether it's like, jewelry whether it's scent whether it's whatever but give yourself a chance to play with your meat suit you have it you may as well do something with it but what are two or three icons of style and glamour that you put up as like your idols Dita Von Teese, like majorly <laughs> She's just so beautiful. Her makeup's so flawless. I love the fact that when she designed lingerie, she did it for big girls, too. It wasn't just, you know, oh, you have to be like a B-cup and a tiny whatever, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, put, put the whole rainbow out there. Um, so she's definitely up there for me uh, with that. Tilda Swinton. But we are together. Yes, now. But what about tomorrow and the day after? And David Bowie. Just all of the people who, who step outside the, the boundaries. I also have style icons um, just in my own personal circles. Oh, and Melora Krieger, Krieger from Rasputina. totally into her and I love that uh, she too is getting older her style is evolving but there's still you know the the hair and the makeup and everything going on it's just a little bit different again the rights of glamour I think the last day to sign up is September 30th but there's only six more seats left so it may be closed way before then and where can they find more information about you Deb? Um, if they go to my, my website, it's charmedfinishingschool.com. They'll find um, my shop. They'll find where to buy my book. They'll find uh, my social media, basically more than you ever wanted to know about me. <laughs> Guys, how do you feel about how you can use maybe little bits of the magic to make you more of you? Like, what are some things that maybe you're afraid to show, but you think that Maybe enchanting a piece of clothing that you would like to wear, but you're a little bit scared to wear. Like, do you think that's going to help you? What would you do, like, if you were in that position of the Brent and Jocelyn, like, getting promoted over you? Like, how would you use Glamour Magic to get yourself noticed as well? Like, let us know in the comments below. And Deb, thank you so much again for talking to me. This was such a fun talk. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you for taking the time with me. I'm so glad we got to do this. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. 
each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan signing off. <laughs>